want to say happy Thanksgiving. Yeah. Well, it's always good to pray. Should we pray? Holy Spirit, I'm thankful for you. Thank you that you're here. We, we need you and you help us. You help us to experience the, the life of the Father and the Son in your own life. And I would like your help today. Would you help me to communicate? To communicate very clearly and, and biblically, thoughtfully, um, the way Jesus does. And help each of us to hear and to test and to weigh and to discern and to act on the word of the Lord. In Jesus' name. If you agree with that prayer, would you say amen? So if you like titles and notes, there's notes you get, you know, as the, you come into the sanctuary and today's message is about uh, an essential relationship, a relationship that's really important to have. And as you would probably guess from the text what Nicholas read, it's about the Holy Spirit. A relationship with the Holy Spirit. He, he said, Jesus said, I will ask the Father. Speaking of God the Father, I will ask the Father, and he's going to give you another advocate. That's a really important word. And in the original language, it, it means someone who actually is called alongside uh, to help you, who advocates for you. You ever feel like you need advocacy? You need somebody who speaks up for you? It's a wonderful thing if at times you felt like no one's had your back. But an advocate has your back. This is an advocate the, to help you and to be with you forever. And he, he identifies him in the next verse, verse 17, as the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. So I am talking about the Holy Spirit this morning. Is developing a relationship with him important? Well, to answer the question, we need to explore who the Holy Spirit is and, and what he came to do, which is what we're going to do in the next few minutes and then also uh, later, we're going to explore how we can live more fully under the Holy Spirit's influence. That's something that we, we need to consider. We want to learn about the Holy Spirit so we can experience the Holy Spirit. Would you like that? Yeah, me too. So who is he really? If you look at the Bible, uh, Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 4, we learn that the Holy Spirit is equated with God. A couple of people, a couple of names are introduced to us in that chapter, a couple, husband and wife, named Ananias and Sapphira. And it turns out that they're believers, they're part of the faith community, and they see that a lot of people are, are selling property and giving the proceeds to the church, and some of the money was used to sustain the poor and the marginalized, and they wanted to sell some property too. And they sold the property for a certain price. They kept back some of that money for themselves, which is actually their right to do. But they, but they communicated that they were giving 100% of the proceeds of the sale to the church to make it sound like they were giving more than they actually were. And the Holy Spirit revealed that to Peter. And he said, you know, you've, you've lied to the Holy Spirit. And Ananias was there by himself. His wife didn't come in until later. But when Ananias heard that, he, I can only imagine what he was feeling. Because in the next breath, Peter said, you've not lied to men, but you've lied to God. So first Peter tells him, you've lied. You've lied to the Holy Spirit. And then he says, you haven't lied to men, you've lied to God. Thus equating the Holy Spirit with God. 
In the book of Hebrews, the Holy Spirit is referred to in chapter 9 as the eternal spirit. So the, the spirit has no beginning and no ending. He's eternal, like the Father and like the Son, Jesus. And then Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 3, he said, now the Lord is the spirit. The Lord is the spirit. And then he added this, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is, there's freedom. Jesus and Peter and Paul all gave the Holy Spirit equal billing with the Father and with, with Jesus. In Matthew 28, 19, Jesus tells his followers that they're gonna go into the world and they're gonna make disciples. And he says, I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, thereby giving the Holy Spirit equal billing with Jesus and the Father. And at the end of Paul's letter to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians, Paul concludes with what we would call a benediction. He wants to bless them. And he says, now the love of God the Father be with you. The grace of our Lord Jesus, essentially he's saying, be with you. And the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. And then Peter, in, in 1 Peter 1, 2, he says, you've been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is placed alongside as equal to the Father and to Jesus. And so based on all of these things, we recognize, we Christians recognize the Holy Spirit is God. He's the third person of what we call the Trinity. And when we Christians refer to the Trinity, we're saying that we believe that God is actually three distinct persons with only one essence. And, and if there's a picture of this in the New Testament, there, it's found in Matthew chapter 3 when Jesus is being baptized in the Jordan, especially verses 16 and 17. So we see Jesus, the Son of God, who's also God the Son. He's in the water. Remember, God became a person. God became flesh, it says in John chapter 1. So there he is, God the Son. He's in there in the water. And the Holy Spirit descends upon him in bodily form as a dove. And the Father speaks from heaven. So you have each person of the Trinity separate, distinct from each other, identified separately, and yet, according to the Bible, one essence. And then, according to a particular creed, the Nicene Creed, which was written in about 325, we used to say A.D., now they're saying C.E. after the Common Era, in, the, in a city in, in what is Turkey. Um, they, they said this, the Holy Spirit is God. They said we believe him, we believe in the Holy Spirit. He's the Lord, the giver of life. He proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is to be worshiped and glorified. So even the church in those days was recognizing we need to give due credit to the Holy Spirit. We need to acknowledge him and the idea is acknowledge him so that you can experience him. Please keep this in mind. When we study our Bibles, when we read our Bibles, or hopefully when preaching takes place, we identify biblical ideas to have an experience of what we're reading about. Like when we, we read about this idea that Jesus wants us to experience his joy, and he does. How do I know that? Because in the Gospel of John, he says, I want you to have my joy, and I want your joy to be complete. We read that so that we can experience it. We study those things so that we can experience them. That's what God wants to happen. 
In the Old Testament, they said we study his, his ways to experience them, to walk in them. Does that make sense? So, what did the Holy Spirit come to do? What did he come to do? Lots of things, lots of things, and I'm gonna point out a few things, and then I'm gonna focus on just two of the things that I'm gonna point out this morning. So, the Holy Spirit awakens our need for Jesus. In John chapter three, Jesus explains to a man who is described by Jesus as a teacher in Israel, a rabbi, someone who is educated, someone who is well-informed, a devoted follower of the God of the Old Testament, of Yahweh. Jesus explains to this guy who is curious about who Jesus really is, he says, you can't even get what I'm talking about unless you're born again. That's what Jesus says. Read John chapter three, the first six or so verses. He's essentially saying, you, you can't even get what I'm talking about. You can't see the kingdom. You can't enter the kingdom unless you're born again. And then he explains that that happens through the ministry of the Spirit. Being born again happens because of the ministry of the Spirit, because of the influence of the Holy Spirit. And he explains that the Holy Spirit is like a wind that you can't see, but you can see the effects of the wind. The Holy Spirit is invisible, and he likes to work behind the scenes to introduce people to Jesus. So if you are a believer in Jesus today, it's because the Holy Spirit was influencing you, but the Holy Spirit doesn't control, he doesn't force you to believe, he influences you to believe. How do I know that? Because the Bible says that God is love, a particular kind of love called agape. And it says that that love never insists on its own way. And the Bible teaches us that Jesus, when he was edged out of a church, it's written, this is written in the book of Revelation, when Jesus was edged out of a church, just imagine that. He was edged out of a church by their apathy, by their lukewarmness, and it says he was standing outside of the church and he was knocking. He was trying to regain access to the church, but Jesus said only if they opened the door would he would he enter in? And so Jesus knocks. He does not barge in either to a church or to an individual's life. And when you get to the place where you sense that he's knocking and, and you're curious and, and you want to experience him, that's because the Holy Spirit in some way is awakening something in you to, to help you to be interested to say yes. Some of you have said yes, and here's the good news. When you say yes, that's huge, it's monumental, it's a chain, a game changer, but there's more news. You need to keep saying yes. Keep saying yes. So the Holy Spirit awakens our need for Jesus and the Holy Spirit loves to reproduce the character virtues of Jesus in us. Paul makes this case in the book of Galatians in chapter five. We call the character, of, or Paul called the character virtues of Jesus in Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit. There's another word for fruit that you would use in a grocery store. When you think about the section of the grocery store where you, where you would find fruit and vegetables, what would you call it? Yeah, the produce section. 
And the word produce there is what? It's, it's, a, it's a noun, right? But also, that word can be a verb, correct? You can produce stuff. So the fruit of the Spirit, according to Galatians 5, is the produce of the Spirit that is produced by the Spirit. It's the produce of the Spirit. In other words, it's not something you get by trying hard. And and Paul says the fruit that the Spirit produces in believers, the stuff that he wants them to experience, that he wants to actually help them to experience is, and he mentions things like love, agape love, the same kind of love that is God's essence. So it's love, and then he mentions joy and peace and and kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, all these things. And this isn't an exhaustive list. This is like the primary colors from which we get the other colors. He likes to do that. And as you live under his influence, you'll see more and more of these virtues. These virtues are Jesus' virtues. He likes to do that. Those virtues are compelling. When you see someone who embodies supernatural love, supernatural kindness, supernatural joy, don't you find that attractive? Yeah. I, I like to be around people like that. They become people who are influential in my life. And then the Holy Spirit loves to reproduce the ministry of Jesus through people. The ministry of Jesus, like helping people experience forgiveness, helping people experience reconciliation, helping people experience all kinds of healing, healing for their bodies, healing for their emotions, their psyche, helping them to experience deliverance from addictions, from all kinds of bondage, from hate, from self-righteousness, from resentment. The Holy Spirit likes to work through people. When you read the book of Acts, you're gonna read a narrative that covers about the first 30 years or so of the church, and you're gonna see what life looks like when people under the Spirit's influence let the Spirit work through them. That's what we want. Don't we want a congregation we can't explain without the Holy Spirit? Yeah, and I hope you want a family you can't explain without the Holy Spirit. And I hope if you get married, you want a marriage you can't explain without the Holy Spirit. I hope you want a business you can't explain without the Holy Spirit. Yeah, hopefully someday we'll have a country we can't explain without the Holy Spirit. And then another thing the Spirit does, and you read about this in John chapter 14, 15, and 16, he helps It says he guides, he bears witness to Jesus, and he's God's indwelling presence. He's indwelling. See, when you say yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. He's not just with you, he's in you. He's in you. Wow. And then, and then that's the because that's the case, you're referred to, you're referred to in the Bible as the temple of the Holy Spirit, your body. Your physical body becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit. Wow! And then we read in 1 Corinthians 2 that the Spirit comes to reveal things God has prepared for those who love him. So the more you come under the Spirit's influence, the more you're going to learn what God has in store for you, and then life becomes a real adventure. And you know the good news is, God. the Bible says he, he he doesn't do favoritism. He likes to bless each person. 
That's amazing, isn't it? And the Bible says in the book of James that God is generous and he gives, one of the words that, that one of the translators uses is ungrudgingly. That means you don't have to pry God's fist over and he loves to give. And then we learn that we experience God's supernatural love because of the Holy Spirit. It says God's love has been poured abroad in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. So you, you need to experience more of God's love. Learn to live under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And then according to Romans 15, it says he helps us abound in hope. Check out this verse, 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Anybody here need some hope? You know, when you run out of hope, you pretty much are ready to give up on life. And a lot of people, sadly, run out of hope. But the Holy Spirit provides hope, and he's just a prayer away. He's just an invitation away. So today's focus, even though there are a lot of things that the Spirit is doing and wants to do, today's focus is on experiencing the Holy Spirit as the reproducer of the character virtues of Jesus in us and reproducing the ministry of Jesus through us. Nicholas was saying to me, there's another way to say this that I he really likes, and I like it too. Christ formed in us. See, everything that the Holy Spirit does to reproduce these character virtues is to reproduce Christ so that he's formed in us. Christ formed in us, Christ displayed through us. Isn't that a beautiful idea? That's what the Spirit wants to do. So if you let him, if you let the Holy Spirit, he's going to help you experience Jesus' compelling virtues, and he's going to use you to influence others to experience Jesus' ministry. Think forgiveness. Think reconciliation. Think freedom. Think repentance, deliverance. Now, what's this look like when a person says, yes, Lord, I want you to use me to touch other people? Let me tell you a story about a five-year-old. I'll tell you the story, and then I'll tell you who the five-year-old is. He's no longer five. He's 42. But when he was five, I'll tell you who he is. He was my then five-year-old son. His name is Luke, the second oldest of my four kids. And it was a Saturday. I was living in Fargo. And I was looking for my favorite tool, a hammer. <laughs> Big surprise. I was looking for my tool, and I let Luke play with my tools, but I always said, just put them back. But, you know, he wasn't too good at putting them back, which is understandable when you're five years old. But I was, I was, I was upset, and I, I knew he was outside. He and Grace had gone outside to do something. Grace was three at the time. I go flying out the door, and I see these two little dark-haired kids standing over by a bush. And their heads are down, and I wonder, what, are they looking at something? What's going on? And I decide not to interrupt, and I'm so glad today I didn't. I, I just kind of crept a little closer, and I heard Luke, his little five-year-old voice, say to his sister, now Grace, say, Jesus, please forgive me. And I heard her squeaky three-year-old voice say, Jesus, please forgive me. And I heard her big brother say, 
Now say, Jesus, come into my heart. And I heard her squeaky little voice say, Jesus, come into my heart. And then I heard him say, now, now Grace, say, Jesus, thank you for coming into my heart. And I heard her squeaky voice say that. I'm so glad I didn't interrupt them. How much did my son Luke know? He knew less than he's ever known. He knew less than he's probably ever known. He knows so much more now, but he knew enough, didn't he? He knew enough. And you know, when he got married 15 years or so ago, at his groom's dinner, his sister Grace offered a toast. And she said, I want to toast my brother who introduced me to my Savior when I was three years of age. And I got to tell you, I, I, it, it took with grace. Jesus got hold of that little person at three years of age. And obviously, he got hold of Luke. How much did Luke know? He knew enough. How much do you know? If you're a believer, do you know you know enough? You know just enough. I want to tell you about a Charlotte, North Carolina salesman, a guy named Vernon Patterson, many years ago. He was praying a prayer. He asked God, he was moved one day to ask God to raise up someone from the city of Charlotte to, to bring the gospel to the ends of the earth. And interestingly, at the same time, a nearby farmer named Albert McMakin decided to invite a 15-year-old boy known around the area as Billy Frank to an evangelistic meeting. And to induce him to come, he said, and you can drive my truck. Billy liked driving that truck, and my understanding is, I learned from someone else that there were a lot of girls who wanted to ride in that truck, and Billy was only too happy to take a carload of girls to this event, to this gathering. In the same location, there was an usher who saw that the the tent was full of people. The tent where Billy Frank and others were going was full of people. Everybody had a seat except Billy. But the usher gave up his seat so that Billy could have a seat. I don't know that usher's name. But also in that location, the guy who was speaking at that event was, was an evangelist, not very well known. His name was Mordecai Ham. He probably doubted that he ever made much of an impact but he faithfully shared the gospel, and 15-year-old Billy Frank, known to us as Billy Graham, in answer to Vernon Patterson's prayer, became a believer in Christ who took the gospel around the world, and it's guessed that he influenced and spoke to 215 million people in the course of his 50 years of ministry. That's what it looks like to let the Holy Spirit work through you. Sometimes it's a as simple as praying a prayer. God, raise up somebody. God, help, some, help my friend, Tony, to believe. Help, help Nancy to experience healing. Sometimes it's as simple as a guy inviting a kid to drive his truck. Sometimes availability looks like a CEO, an affluent CEO named Tom Phillips. He shares the gospel story with a man in his circle of influence. This man became a follower of Christ 
who influenced thousands. That man's name was Chuck Colson. Sometimes it looks like an insurance salesman who invited a client to his church's men's event. That client was my big brother, Ed, 19 years older than me, who came to faith in Christ because of a simple invitation. What might it look like for you if you're available to the Holy Spirit? I'm gonna repeat something. I repeat as often as I can. It's not original with me, but it might, you might find it helpful. God doesn't care about your ability. He doesn't care about your inability. He cares about your availability. If that's true, God could use you. Would you agree? How do you live under his influence? How do you live under the influence of the Holy Spirit? I want to suggest these things. Develop an intentional and conversational relationship with the Holy Spirit. You know, the Spirit is often ignored. Somebody said that for that classification of people we call evangelical believers, their trinity has become God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Bible. You know, I've met, I've met believers who call themselves Bible believers who wouldn't even dare pray to the Holy Spirit, wouldn't praise the Holy Spirit, wouldn't talk to the Holy Spirit. One guy, valedictorian of his seminary class, told me he couldn't do it. I said, isn't that interesting? I said, now I know that you know theologically, biblically, that the Holy Spirit is God. Am I right? He said, yeah. I know that the Holy Spirit's God. But I just, for some reason, I, I don't know why, I said, you need to fight that. That is not okay. The Holy Spirit is to be worshipped together with the Father and the Son. And when I've shared this with some people, sometimes somebody will say to me, well, the Holy Spirit's role is to point people to Jesus, so... You really shouldn't even be talking about the Holy Spirit. I said, are you kidding me? Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit. It took three chapters to talk about the Holy Spirit. You can't even really truly understand the Jesus that you want to be talking about without the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is no threat to Jesus. Jesus doesn't have a better friend. The more you come under the influence of the Spirit, the more Jesus-centered, appropriately Jesus-centered, you're going to be. I tell you, we... We really truly need to not just resist, I'd say militate against any anything at all that would keep us from talking to the Holy Spirit. Who doesn't want you to talk to the Holy Spirit? I know who. His name is Satan. He's terrified of the Holy Spirit. Talk to the Holy Spirit. The more you develop an intentional conversational relationship with the Holy Spirit, the better you're going to know Jesus. And guess what Jesus' role is? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. And he added, and no one comes to the Father except by me. Jesus takes you to the Father. Isn't that something? You can't know the Father without Jesus. You can't know Jesus without the Spirit. So develop, please develop an intentional and conversational relationship with the Holy Spirit. Let's stop ignoring him. Let's stop grieving him. The Bible says don't grieve him. One of the ways we grieve him is because we ignore him. It says don't quench his activity in the church, which we sometimes do. Not intentionally, but we still do. Constantly invite him into everything 
that you face, all your troubles, your stress. What would happen if your day began with, with you getting up a little bit earlier? Just enough time in your day, enough wiggle room so that you don't have to be in a hurry. You can turn the phone off. You can turn off any other device that might distract you. You can close the door. And what if you just sat in, 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 there in that, that space and just said, God, would you settle me? Would you center me? Would you help me to give you my full attention? Holy Spirit, what if the next thing out of your mouth is that? Holy Spirit, would you bring your influence to bear upon me in this time together? Would you hear me as I, as I lay before you this day? Here's the day as I anticipate it. Now I realize, Holy Spirit, it might not roll out as I'm anticipating it. Might be very different, but I want to invite you into everything. And you know what? It's fun. I'm a day planner kind of guy. If you're not that kind of person, I could probably drive you nuts. I schedule things. I use alarms all day long. That's kind of who I've gotten to be. Sometimes it's over the top. Thankfully, I have a beautiful bride who is more flexible than me and is helping me lighten up and loosen up. But boy, I tell you, one of my favorite, my favorite things is early in the morning, just being in that, this chair, this comfortable chair, and just holding my day planner out and saying, Lord, <laughs> here's the day as I've planned it. Now, again, I realize it might not happen that way, but here's what's going on. Here's what I expect to happen. I expect some conversations with, and I start mentioning people. I, I think some of these conversations are going to happen by email, some by text, some by phone call, some in person, Lord. And then there's going to be some, I expect to be in public. I know I'm going to stop for gas. I'm probably going to encounter some people. Lord, would you bring your influence to bear on every encounter, every challenge? You know, he's only delighted. He's, he's delighted to do that. He doesn't say, you know, I'll do that for, and then put in the name of the most famous person you listen to, the, all the podcasters you listen to. There's a lot of people out there who are pretty good communicators, and I know a lot of people listen to people pretty consistently. God will do that for everybody. The Bible says he rewards those who diligently seek him. That means anybody who seeks him diligently will be rewarded. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. What if? What if you did that? What if you began to be intentional about inviting him into everything? What if you even asked people who are full of the Spirit to pray for you to be full of the Spirit? What if you come up here today sometime after church? We've got prayer teams. What if you come up and say, you know, I don't know if I've ever been prayed for to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And you know, I don't believe in putting my hands on people to pray without asking their permission. But if you came up and you asked me to pray for you to be filled with the Spirit, I'd say, do I have permission to lay hands on you now? Why? Because God often used the laying on of hands to transmit his life to other people. Sometimes for healing, sometimes for the impartation of the Holy Spirit. And I'd ask you, what do you, what do you want me to pray for? I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'd say, okay, get ready, because you're going to be. Kevin, you sound confident. I, I am. 
Based on what? Based on what Jesus says in Luke 11, 11 to 13. If you ask if men, if normal people, human beings who, who do some bad stuff, people who sin, if, if they're asked by their son for a fish, is Jesus, are they going to get a snake? If they ask for a piece of bread, are they going to get a stone? No, if earthly fathers know how to give good gifts to their kids, will not the, Holy, will not the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask them? Ask him? It's as simple as asking. So based on that, I'd say, listen, you want to you receive the Holy Spirit? You want, you want to be empowered with the Holy Spirit? You already have the indwelling Spirit. You want to be empowered? Yeah, I want to be empowered. Okay. You're going to get empowered. Now, I'd also say, listen, often, often when people get prayed for, they pray in, they pray in a language they've never learned. Read your Bibles. Folks, this happened it still happens. Get ready. It could happen to you. Sometimes they prophesied. Sometimes they spoke a message under the influence of the Spirit. Whoa! Whoa, baby! What if that happened here? It's happened to many of you. And folks, it's nothing to be afraid of. Christians who experience this aren't a bunch of weirdos. According to the Bible, they're normal. They're normal. This was the church in the book of Acts. There was no church without the power of the Spirit, without the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That church didn't exist in the first century. We're not looking for a tame church. We're looking for a church where we don't domesticate the Holy Spirit. The Celts talked about the Spirit as the wild goose because he couldn't be domesticated. If you want to tame the Spirit, he ain't coming. If you want the Spirit to come in power, you got to say yes without restriction. I don't want to put any restrictions on the Spirit. When I ask for a gift of the Spirit, I want to say, well, I'll have any gift but that gift. You want me to pray for you, and you say, I want any gift but that gift, I'm going to say, you got to find somebody else to pray for you because maybe I'm not mature enough to do that. How about you say, Holy Spirit, I'm, I'm, I am no one to put restrictions on you. I am no, how dare we put a restriction on the Holy Spirit? Seriously? Think about the arrogance of that. No wonder we don't see the Spirit move. Whoa! I've heard people say, you know, I don't want tongues because it's, it's the least of the gifts. First of all, I could argue that point with you, I think, pretty persuasively. But if it is, even if it is, are you so holy you wouldn't receive the least of God's gifts? Seriously? Come on, brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters. We need the Holy Spirit. We need to welcome the Spirit. We need to honor the Spirit. We need to say, Holy Spirit, come, come, come. I'm going to invite the worship team up. And I want to just simply ask you, brothers and sisters, would you pray with me right now, even where you are? And, and at the end of this service, you're going to be given the opportunity to come on up here and to get full of the Holy Spirit. And some of you could get filled again because, because it's not a one-time thing. It's a many-time thing. I mean, even, even Peter, who was filled with the Spirit, baptized in the Spirit on the day of Pentecost, just a few chapters later, it says he was doing some ministry, and it says Peter, having just been filled with the Holy Spirit, so he was filled again right on the spot. 
What if? What if you say right now, Holy Spirit, come. Would you pray that with me? Holy Spirit, say it out loud. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, forgive us for the times and ways we have ignored you, for the times and ways we have grieved you, for the times and ways we have quenched you. Oh, Holy Spirit, apply that beautiful blood of Jesus to us, and may we be so desperate, so desperate for you that we would never even think of putting a restriction on you. Holy Spirit, will you help me? Say that to him. Would you help me to say yes to you without restriction? Holy Spirit, please, because I know if I come under your influence, I'll just fall more in love with Jesus, and he'll take me to the Father, and I'll get to see the Father in ways I could never even dream of. If you, if you agree with that prayer, you said that prayer, would you just add this? In Jesus' name. Yeah, amen. And then remember, at the end of this service, come on up, get some prayer. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. God's got great things in store for this church.